Good morning and welcome to WSAU Feedback. I'm Maggie Ellison. By request, a little Almond Brothers action in the morning. My guest this morning, so glad to have him on the phone with me, Congressman Tom Tiffany. How are you? I am great, man. How are you? And I am great because I got out of Washington, D.C. last night and I am in the snow-covered north. It's kind of like a revival, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad it will change your outlook on life. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we have to we have to be optimistic, right? So let's let's talk. Let's start out by t- I know we have a couple things we want to talk about this morning, but let's let's first start uh, out by talking about the hearing yesterday and the super sad story about the Wisconsin family and the mom that that uh, was part of this hearing yesterday in Washington. Yeah, so um, I I think as many of our listeners know, I sit on the Judiciary Committee in addition to the Natural Resources Committee, but we had a crime subcommittee hearing yesterday. Uh, uh, Representative Biggs from Arizona chairs the crime subcommittee, and he had before us uh, a bill uh, uh, talking about fentanyl and listing it on the schedule as a Schedule One narcotic that uh, Schedule 1 is it's the most dangerous drugs out there, and we need to take as much action as possible, uh, including law enforcement, to keep, uh, keep that scourge from spreading around the United States of America. But anyhow, we had a hearing on, uh, uh, on listing those fentanyl analogs, and um, so it was a good hearing. But to me, the really uh, most interesting part of it, we had two Wisconsinites on that panel. One was Dr. Tim Westlake was an emergency room uh, physician uh, down in southeastern Wisconsin, I think in the Oconomowoc area. But he talked about the fentanyl deaths that come into his emergency room or the, the, the fentanyl overdoses. And, uh, and by the way, I use the term overdose. And these are poisonings. These are not overdoses. Um, like the case of the young man that was, um, that was being talked about yesterday, Logan uh, Rockwall, he... Um, um, he took a Percocet pill, and he's dead now. UW-Milwaukee student, um, died a couple years ago, took a Percocet pill. Turns out that there was fentanyl in it, and that's what's happening out there. But Dr. Westlake has been seeing this. But what I, I asked him what death looks like when you see these fentanyl poisonings, and he said they, they just basically, I, I would say, suffocate. It's, he, he described it as a chemical execution. Oh, gosh. That's awful. I mean, think about that. And this is happening hundreds and thousands of times across America here these days. Uh, uh, we had over 100,000 um, overdose deaths. Many of them were poisonings. I'd say about, we estimate about two-thirds of them in 2021 were fentanyl poisoning. So think about that. That's tens of thousands of Americans it is now the number one killer, ages 18 to 45. And the Chinese, uh, and I should emphasize, the Chinese Communist government sends these fentanyl precursors to Mexico. The cartels produce the fentanyl, and then they come across our open borders. And that's really what we were getting at in regards to this issue, is ultimately it goes back to the open borders. Because we have seen fentanyl just skyrocket coming into the United States. There was certainly some coming out, uh, coming here a couple years ago, but nothing like uh, since President Biden opened the borders on January 20th of 2021. 
and you're seeing these chemical executions that go on every single day in every single county across America. We are seeing this happen. It should be a national emergency. And the part the, the Democrats talk about it now, and they're they're saying, well, let's do something bipartisan. The one thing they won't do that on uh, a bipartisan basis is they will not secure the border. They cannot acknowledge we were wrong. We were wrong on January 20th of 2021 uh, when the border was opened by President Biden. They cannot admit that mistake. But that is the primary reason why we're seeing so much fentanyl coming into America and any other proposal that's out there. It may help a little bit around the edges, but nothing will do what needs to be done like securing the border. That is what has to happen. So any a long way of saying, Meg... Um, our other witness from Wisconsin was a woman named Erin Rockwall. She has two, her and her husband have two sons, and Logan died two years ago in his dorm room at the UW Milwaukee. He had a fight with his girlfriend that night. He popped a Percocet. The Percocet was laced with fentanyl, came from across the southern border, and he is no longer live as a result of it. Another chemical execution here in America. But she told her story in uh, such a manner that your heart just goes out to these fentanyl families, which there's tens of thousands of them across America, and the list grows day after day. So were there any uh, of your Democrat colleagues present during this hearing? And is there true bipartisan commitment to uh, addressing this fentanyl crisis in the United States? When we got done with the hearing yesterday, there were there was only the ranking member, uh, Representative Jackson Lee, who was there on the Democrat side of the, day, of the dais. She was the only one there at the end of the hearing. Um, so it's really a sad day. They, are, they continue to refused to accept. And, and, you know, they said the right things, a few of them. I think about, like, Representative Dean from Pennsylvania, um, a representative from Georgia. They said, we're so sorry for your loss and all the rest. Um, but, you know, we can't, be locking up, we can't be locking up more people and all the rest. But they would not utter the words, secure the border. They would not utter those words. And they know that is what has to happen here if we're truly to get control of this. I mean, Tom, I, I view it as a national security issue. I mean, they are willfully and deliberately attempting to kill American citizens by sending these drugs across the border. There's no other way to put it. We had a, um, a former uh, Drug Enforcement Administration employee there you should have seen him. In fact, I would urge people, go back. You can go back and see the hearing in the crime subcommittee yesterday. And he was emphatic. He was like, everyone across America knows this is a problem and wants something done about it. It is only you people in Washington, D.C. that won't do anything about it. He was as emphatic as he could be. And he, I mean, he laid it out chapter and verse. Um, because I keep asking the question. When we talk about um, securing the border, we had a sheriff uh, a month ago that was in Washington, D.C., Sheriff Mark Daniels 
from Cochise County, Arizona, borders Mexico. Last week, we were in Yuma. We had the sheriff from Yuma County was there. And I asked both of them, when you go back and look at June of 2020, which is when I met Sheriff Daniels, and he said, you know, we're kind of getting things under control down here. It's probably been as good as it's been in a long time. And I said, now, fast forward to today. How does that compare to June of 2020? And both of them are like, it is out of control. The, the, the crime, the violence, the drugs, the fentanyl, it, is, it has skyrocketed. And they're just like, it's directly tied to the border. Oh, Tom, it's just yet another example of how fallen our, our world is or our country is. So I, I, unless there's anything else you wanted to add about the hearing, I wanted to, with the remaining time, talk about the situation up in Lac de Flambeau. That's part of your congressional district, and I know that you have... Uh, sent a, a letter to the tribe and reached out to the Lac de Flambeau Indian tribe to try to uh, find some sort of re- resolution that is, uh, well, that will set these these uh, people that are being barricaded in their properties free. I see now we're reporting, obviously, on WSAU.com that, uh, that there are a number of homeowners, I think there are a couple dozen, that have, are, have sued the... Uh, band of uh, Indians up in Lac de Flambeau. And I guess what I'm wondering is, well, first of all, do you have any updates? I know that we, you and I talked about the Bureau of Indian Affairs and uh, being a federal government entity. It's, it's they're as, as inefficient as you'd imagine. But uh, are there any updates on what you have been told? Yeah, I really don't have anything since the letter that we sent the end of last week, which um, uh, we are encouraging the tribe to um, to open the tribal council to open uh, and take down those barricades. I mean, let's step back a second here. I've seen numerous easement disputes over the years, uh, you know, living here in northern Wisconsin, and that's ultimately what this is about. And let's be very fair about this. The tribe has a case that um, there's an easement dispute here, and it's their land um, that some of these roads go over, and some of these easements are expired. There is no doubt about it. Um, they have a legitimate point there. But is this how you handle an easement dispute, where you shut down a road in the middle of winter when it was 30 below for a couple days up in Lac de Flambeau? and put people in such a precarious position when you originally placed the barricades in a way that a fire truck probably could not have gotten back in there. When you tell the local citizens, hey, we have keys to the fire department, to EMS, um, the propane truck drivers can get a key. But think about it. If somebody's having a heart attack and you got to go find the key and unlock the lock and then you got to get back in there, seconds can mean life. And I can't for the life of me understand what is happening there. The other thing that I would say, I know there are tribal members that do not agree with this approach. This is the tribal council that's doing this. But more than that, it's their Minneapolis attorney that represents them. Somebody that has no skin in the game. He has an axe to grind, and he's doing it via the tribal council. 
And the tribal council should stand up to their attorney, this Minneapolis attorney, who has no skin in the game. I mean, think about it. Here you have tribal members who are neighbors. Kids go to school together. They shop. They go to the casino and all the rest. And, you know, everybody's neighbors. And sometimes you have disputes. This is not how you solve a dispute. So this really is on the tribal council and their attorney for turning this into the situation that they have. And it's terribly unfortunate that they've done that. In fact, there is a letter from a couple years ago when then, uh, excuse me, then council member, now chairman John Johnson, signed a letter saying, no, we will not be closing roads. We would not do something like that. And now look at what they did. And I lay a lot of the blame on this Minneapolis attorney who has turn the um uh the tribal council against their neighbors and it's time to get those barricades down negotiate in good faith and by the way they've taken nearly a the tribe has taken nearly a million dollars a year over the last 5 years for uh for their roads that are listed on the TPP which is a list of uh Indian reservation roads and they've taken a million dollars a year. When you take that federal money, you cannot close roads. They've taken over $180 million in the last 10 years from the federal government. In other words, the very people who are being barricaded behind the barricades as taxpayers are paying for those roads, and the tribe is saying, no, you don't get to use the roads now. I believe that's illegal, and I believe at over time here it's going to be proven to be illegal, the action that they're taking. But it's terribly unfortunate that the council took this draconian approach um, to try to solve what is an easement dispute. Yeah, well, let's go back to the Minneapolis attorney. No vested interest in Lacta Flambeau or that community or even the relations between uh, tribal uh, members and non-tribe members, and he's exploiting it. I mean, so where did the $20 million number come from? Maybe it came from this attorney who's exploiting the situation for his own financial gain. So he was asking for $10 million. Yeah, who knows? I don't know if he's on a retainer. Uh, perhaps he's being paid on commission. Who knows? But um, uh, here's uh, they were talking $10 million, which was extortion to begin with. And then when they put the barricades up, he says at a town meeting, no, it's now $20 million. $20 million for a couple short segments of easement on these roads, and you're going to barricade people in in the middle of winter. I just hope this is not this attorney who's known as a radical. I hope that it, this attorney, that it is not his goal to drive, try to drive these people off from their properties. I hope that's not what his goal is here, because it's appearing more and more that that may be the direction he's going. And certainly it's extortion to call for $20 million. I don't get this. When you say that you want to work with your neighbors, there's no working with your neighbors when you do something like that. That is pure, unadulterated extortion. Well, and uh, when you say driving people from their properties, it's already happened with a mom and her daughter, the special needs daughter that was attending school in uh, at Lakeland High School, and, and they they had to leave because there was no way that she could continue to, uh, well, commute from their property and the high school. And so this, 
this this girl is now suffering as a result of the actions of this radical attorney from Minneapolis and the decision that uh, the tribal council has made. Well, Tom, thanks for joining me this morning. You got anything else to add real quick? No, 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 no. Hey, it's, uh, it's great to join you in this morning. I hope that cooler heads prevail, and I hope tribal chairman Johnson will take a, 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 a renewed look at this and do the right thing and take the barricades down, making people hike across the lake to shop for their groceries, things like that. I mean, that's just wrong. And you're taking significant amounts of federal money. These roads should, I believe, legally be um, be left open. And I hope cooler heads prevail on the uh, tribal council rather than doing something like this. Well, thanks for your time this morning. Congressman Tom Tiffany, I'm sure we'll chat again soon. I hope you have a great day. Always good to join you, Meg. Thanks. Rolling into a break, followed by the news and the second half of feedback, 715-845-2155 and your calls.